Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, author of four books on cycling, writer of all things fitness-related, and doer of most things fitness-related. I'm here this week, sadly, without my co-host my and husband, Peter Glassford, who is currently driving our van out to Tucson so he can get some training in before we hit California for a training camp. I, on the other hand, am over in Europe. I just went for a run in Amsterdam this morning, and last week I was cycling in Girona, so I can't complain too much about missing him. However, talking to Lindsay Webster does in fact make me miss my husband because she and her husband, who you might remember from one of our earlier podcasts on OCR racing, Brian Atkins, are an amazing couple. Uh, ridiculously, ridiculously talented obstacle course racers, and I was so excited that we got to have Lindsay on the podcast. She's super fun to talk to about all things obstacle course or mud run related. She gives some great advice on how to train, how she trains, and which race to choose to do first, because frankly, I've loved the idea of obstacle course racing for a long time, but I'm a little bit nervous with figuring out Do I do a mud run, a Spartan race, a battle frog? Why is it named battle frog? (laughs) Things like that. So she and I really get into that and which ones are beginner friendly, what kind of obstacles and what kind of ways around obstacles there are in each of them, and how to prepare the best. Uh, Moral of the story is run a lot and do a lot of burpees. Uh, I'm terrible at burpees. Peter is excellent at burpees. We're both decent at running, so you might catch us at an obstacle course race this summer, hopefully. Anyway, enjoy this episode with Lindsay Webster. I know I loved chatting with her. Thanks for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you're listening to this, we're assuming you're already well on your way to being the consummate athlete that you you hope to become. And if you're already one of the healthy people, did you know that you can get a special rate due to an active and health-conscious lifestyle on your life insurance? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for a life insurance company to go and you know give great rates to healthy people, active people, just like yourself, cyclists, runners, crossfitters, whatever you're into. They're offering great rates for healthy people because for them, it's a win. You know, we're seeing way lower risk of things like heart disease, lower risks of early death. So why not give those people a a lower rate on their life insurance? Absolutely. If you want to check this out and test your Health IQ over at Health IQ, visit healthiq.com backslash consummate athlete. Again, that's healthiq.com backslash consummate athlete. We'll have a link in the show notes as well if you don't have a place to write it down. Definitely worth checking out. It's a huge savings and just such an awesome thing to do seeing a company is supporting, you know, really active people like yourself. And they're supporting this podcast. I mean, if, if you're just even like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't even know what life insurance is. Why don't you go over? They have some pretty cool quizzes, actually. Uh, they have some cycling quizzes. They have a weightlifting quiz that I took. I got a question wrong, and I had to retake it because I couldn't possibly have not gotten 100%, so I had to retake it. So, I mean, it's a pretty neat website, actually. So if you just go check it out, that'd be awesome. Again, uh, healthiq.com uh, slash athlete. Go check that out. We'd appreciate it. And I think in the end, it might just save you some money. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. 
All right, Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm here with Lindsay Webster, who is an obstacle course racer, which seems like the coolest career choice ever. <laughs> so, Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of and yes, course. definitely pretty much the coolest career ever. Mm-hmm. Pretty and you're super lucky because you also have a partner in crime. Uh, so we actually interviewed your husband as one of our first ever episodes. So how is it, first of all, just being in a house with someone doing the exact same thing as you? It's pretty, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. A lot of people would say, I mean, as a full-time athlete, like, it's not like you get up and go to work all day long and then come home and, like, see each other at night. Mm-hmm. We're there pretty much all day every day, and we have the same lifestyle. So, like, our jobs are to train, so we do a lot of our training together, and, uh, mm-hmm. I mean... It seems to work out really well for us. Um, and sometimes, like, he'll go away for a couple days at a time on training camps that, um, like, he just went ice climbing, Whew. like, overnight, which, I don't know. I I love climbing, but I'm a bit scared of heights, so, like, I stick with indoor stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we kind of work it out so that, like, you know, we still have hobbies and, like, spend some time apart. But I think because we're, like, newlyweds, it seems to be working pretty well for us. <laughs> yeah. We don't spending a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, you're, you guys are in about the same boat that Peter and I are in. So, <laughs> which, yeah, means- you guys were married, like, just after us. So. Exactly. So I was going to say, we're going to have to do some kind of, like, couples retreat style thing where we can let them go do ridiculous things like ice climbing and we can go to an indoor gym and do indoor yeah. climbing. Yeah, we can do our thing and they'll do theirs. I know. He was like, do you want to come? I was like, that sounds cold. Yeah. <laughs> it was like minus 15 out yeah. that day. It was not warm. No, that sounds that sounds terrible. Um, it's funny because the, the first few episodes we did, I kept asking people how they balanced training because most people had like active partners that we interviewed. And then we've kind of gone away from that. But I think you just you answered that really well as far as having your own thing, but also doing some training together. Yeah. Um, how have you guys managed? And I'm going to get back into how did you get into OCR and all that stuff. But I'm really curious. How did you guys, how do you guys balance training together at, you know, different ability levels, right? Like men and women, unfortunately, yeah. not, not quite the um, same. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, I'll give you, I guess, the longer answer. Like when we first started dating, obviously we had all the same hobbies and stuff but we ended up having two other roommates who were also guys so for like years it was me trying to keep up to those three and uh, over the years like I've just kind of learned to say like today I'd like to have a harder day so I'll try and keep up but I've gotten a lot better at also saying like you know what I'm just gonna go my own speed and like you go do your own thing so um we train together on days that um like, if Ryan has an easy day and I want to do, like, a tempo workout mm-hmm. and go a little then um, we'll do stuff together. Yesterday, we went cross-country skiing, and Ryan went out and hammered for a little bit, and I was just having an easy ski, and then he came and did his cool down with me. So, like, nice, nice extra slow for him. And, yeah, I guess you just kind of have to be okay with saying, you know what, I'm not going to be able to go that pace today. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That definitely... <laughs> to get to that point. <laughs> yes, I was going to say that took me like 3 years and finally yeah. and even now I still like slightly resent when we're like going and Peter's like at recovery pace and I'm yeah, like hard tempo and you're just like he's just chatting away I'm like bite me. Yeah, my heart rate will be at maybe 160 and mine runs pretty high but then Ryan will look at his watch and be like my heart rate's 108 right now. Ah. <laughs> Man strength. Yeah, right. 
Yeah. Ugh, boys. <laughs> right? All right. Let's let's back it up. How did you get into obstacle course racing? So what was your athletic background as a kid? And yeah, how did you end up doing this crazy sport? Um, so as a kid, I mean, my parents had always had me enrolled in sports and we'd go camping on weekends. We had a sailboat that we would basically live on throughout the summer. So <laughs> I'd always been outdoorsy. And then I'd always been on like the cross country running team in school. And I guess when I was much younger, I figure skated competitively. And that took me right up till grade nine. So my first year of high school. Okay. And then I joined the cross country ski team at high school. We were lucky enough to have one. I, I feel the need to, to pause and point out that you're Canadian. So <laughs> if anyone's yes. been wondering why figure skating and cross country skiing are so prominent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think not every school has like a cross country ski team either. But mm-hmm. um, I got really into it. And I seem to be like fairly good at it. So I quit figure skating to focus on that. Um, so I competitively cross country skied um, both in school and outside of school. Okay. And then um, once I went to university, it was basically like cross country running with the varsity team. And then, uh, yeah, and then I got into mountain biking um, when I met Ryan. So I actually met Ryan, my husband, at a mountain bike race. Oh, really? Okay, so I have to ask, which which mountain bike race? <laughs> it was just like a fun Tuesday night race um, that it's like a weekly series that our friend runs nearby. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just met him there um, oh, man. through a mutual friend one night. Um, yeah, and then it was actually Ryan who got me into obstacle racing. So I just like, I think it was like a year later after okay. I'd met him. And, was, uh, was he just like, you're going to be really good at this. You should do it. It was actually, so my first race was the Spartan World Championships in Vermont, um, which was like a massive race. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But um, yeah, Ryan basically said like, oh, I think I think you'd do well. Like, I think you could podium and there's prize money. And I just come off um, both like my mountain bike race season and my varsity, varsity cross country running season. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, sure, like, you know, I'll give it a shot. And I actually had, like, exams that day. So <laughs> I basically, yeah, I think I wrote my exam at school. It was Friday, and I left school at, like, 5 p.m. And I drove to Vermont, and I arrived in Vermont at, I think it was, like, 3 a.m. or something. I finally got to bed, and then we woke up at 5 the next morning to race. So Oof. I was, like, super sleep-deprived. Um, anyway, I managed to finish fourth, and... I don't think I've, I have ever been, like, so stiff and sore in my entire life. The next <laughs> few days, I, like, could not move. And I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. First of all, I just want to throw out there that I love how, like, weirdly parallel our two lives are as far as our various, yeah, meetings of our husbands. I met Peter at a bike race in China. That's so And funny. the rest is sort of history. And he kept so he and Ryan used to race together when they were younger and he kept with the mountain biking. So that's sort of our trajectory has been towards cycling. And then Ryan got into OCR and yours is toward OCR. And I love that. <laughs> you guys are next. Really. <laughs> we're, we've been, we've been tossing around the idea. We're training for Ironman Canada right now, but I think we're going to roll the fitness from that and try the obstacle thing. Oh my gosh. Ironmans are gnarly. <sighs> it was I did one and I said I was never, ever, 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 ever going to do another one. And now I'm signed up. And Peter, oh, 
something else we have in common because that's what I told myself that whole first obstacle race. Miserable. Why do people do this? Like I'm never doing one of these again. And then I finished and I was like, let's do more. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. So that, that first one though, I mean, did you know what to expect? You'd had you you'd seen Ryan, I guess, do them before, so you kind of knew what obstacles might be in your path, or totally blind. Uh, um, a little bit of both. So I had done races with like my work group before, but we kind of all run as a group, so it's like you know we just jog together and it's mm-hmm. a fun social thing. Um, but I had no idea how competitive the sport had got. Like by the time I did that first race, there was already pro athletes in the sport that were sponsored and like making a living off of it mm-hmm. um and I just had no idea what kind of competition I'd be up against so I remember like the start gun went off and these girls were flying and I was like oh, bro and I was like they're just excited like they'll settle in you know how people go really hard off the yeah. start pace will slow down and it never did and I ended up running that hard for I think it was either four and a half or five and a half hours oh. um, and like I had done no upper body strength training so my whole body literally Oh cramped. Like I never cramped before until that race. And I was like, this is what people are talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> when you just like roll around on the ground screaming. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm just picturing like trying to wake up the next day from that, like not even being able to like push yourself out of bed. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then you, you did the first race. You did really well. How did it kind of morph into the career that it is now? And also what year was that? That was, was it 2013, 14, 15, 16, 2014. Okay. 2014. Yeah. Um, and I guess that was pretty much the last race of the season. So I had kind of all winter to come around to the idea of me wanting to do more of the sport. And then I signed up for a battle frog race. Um, I think it was in February the next year. And I actually trained for it because I I was kind of like I want to see how good I can do mm-hmm. at this sport if I can if I actually like train properly for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I signed up for a battle frog race, which was the following February. So I think I had like four months or something to train, and then I ended up winning that battle frog race, and then it just kind of spiraled, and I kept doing. I think Ryan and I did like twenty five races that year which doesn't sound like that many but it ends it ended up being like almost every weekend every other weekend kind of thing yeah that's a lot of races it was quite a bit so I kind of built my race resume that first first year Mm -hmm. and then by the time the next year rolled around I had found myself some sponsors and stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah Okay. So I think you kind of just hit on one thing that kind of confuses a lot of people when they're getting into OCR, which is there are so many different ones, right? You you did the Spartan one, and then you're mentioning Battle Frog. And, you know, I know there's yeah. a bunch of other ones. So first of all, I guess, which one is your, your favorite series if you had to pick one? And second, like, are there any like distinguishing characteristics of each that differentiate them? Yeah, they are all a little bit different like I know if you're just coming into it they all pretty much sound the same and you're like just pick one but they are a lot different um Mm -hmm. I used to really like the battle frog races but that company has since uh shut down so okay now I think my favorite is the tough mudder races which um I would highly recommend I think this year they're starting um what do they call it it's not like it's like a half mudder or something so they used to be about 20 kilometers 
And now you can do ones that are 10, which is a bit more reasonable for people who yeah. have not done an OCR before. But their obstacles are really teamwork-based. Um, okay. So a lot of them are actually, like, you can't complete them by yourself. You need um, other people out on the course to help you do them. Um, okay. Unless you get a lot of them. You'll never be in a situation where you're alone out there. Mm-hmm. There's other people around you. So, like, if you don't have a friend to sign up with, then don't worry about it. Okay. Um, it's such a cool community, and you'll meet people out there, and you'll end up, like, running beside somebody. Mm-hmm. And what else? Yeah, so the Spartan races are kind of – the obstacles are more like beat you down mentally kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of like willpower and mental grit. Um, Cause the obstacles aren't, I wouldn't call them not fun, but like they do make you carry a bucket full of rocks, which is my least favorite obstacle out of yeah. an obstacle race, which <laughs> I mean, it's pretty like miserable. You just have to get through it. And then they have a lot of other fun obstacles too, but um, yeah. And then there's a Canadian series called mud hero. That's really family oriented and their obstacles are like fun but challenging they're a lot more doable Mm -hmm. um like if you don't have a ton of upper body strength and you can't do a chin up or something then um that's kind of like a fun more fun yet challenge still challenging race yeah Um, what else savage race is really fun i think their obstacles are mandatory and they have these like big really fun obstacles okay yeah Anyway, there's so many out there. Yeah. I feel like I'm confusing people even more. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Ever, like, whenever I try to think about getting into it, I start kind of going down this rabbit hole of, like, looking at all of the different series, and then, like, I get confused, and then I just, like, <laughs> end up being like, ah, I'm not going to do it this year, next year. Yeah. So yeah. I think anyway, that's... if anyone ever has questions, just, like, shoot me a message on Facebook. On Facebook, I'm, you can find my athlete pages, Lindsay Webster OCR. Perfect. So, yeah, just send me a message and I can, you know, help figure out which would be a good one for you. Perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll link to that in the show notes. I think, I feel like someone should have done, like, a quiz or something that you can go to and, like, click, like, what kind of obstacle yeah. do you think sounds fun? And, like, pull out which series makes the most sense for you. That is such a good idea. I, I'm going to have to, like, delete that from the podcast so I can, like, trademark <laughs> it and make it. <laughs> yeah, you should. I think that would get a little attraction. Hey, that would be awesome because I need it. <laughs> it's like a permanent link too that anybody yeah. can sort of research and pull up. Exactly. All right. So you mentioned the teammate type things. Do you have any advice for, I mean, you said you did it with some work friends earlier, dealing with teammates, because I feel like that's got to be such a thing. And I know Ryan has done the like four man and the two man 24 hour any yeah. good advice you guys have come up with for dealing with like a team in those kind of heated situations? Um, I mean, I think it, I don't know. Usually it's not an issue. Like mm-hmm. when I did it with my work group, there's obviously some of us that wanted to jog the whole thing and other people just got to a point where they were, they wanted to slow down to a walk. So like after a certain point, we kind of divided into two groups, which, um, I don't know, everyone was fine with, as long as you kind of communicate, then it, it works out okay. I think mm-hmm. communication's probably pretty key. Um, and when Ryan picks his teammates for the 24-hour events, like, it's just people who have the same goals, kind of, so they outline what their goals are, and they, I think one of their goals was, well, obviously, they want to be running for all 24 hours, so each and every teammate put in, like, these crazy hours of training to get yeah. themselves for it. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and I will say we, we, Peter and I went running with one of Ryan's teammates like probably two or three weeks after it last year, and Oops. he was still dying from that. <laughs> oh, I believe it. Yeah, it took me about, I think I, I did that race this year, and it took me about a month to fully kind of recover. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's not great timing, too, because that's when, like, the weather in Canada starts sort of going downhill. So it's not. Yeah. Yeah, true. I mind it. Like, I love snow, and then I love the summer. I don't like the in-between seasons where it's just muddy and, like, you can't really do anything but run. Yep. It's, like, too muddy to bike, and you can't ski yet. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you just end up getting really tired of running. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you've picked your first, you know, obstacle course mud run which whichever you've decided to do what what are some of the obstacles I guess that are kind of common between all of them or are there any that are sort of common um yeah there's one called the platinum rig which I think most races have some version of it's basically an upper body strength based thing where you do they put together like different upper body strength based obstacles Mm -hmm. into one kind of rig so they'll have a couple monkey bars that you go through and then you have to jump on to like a hanging rope and then you go from the rope to like a sort of vertical hanging metal bar and then you'll go from that back to monkey bars and it's like they're really fun um the different races make it harder or easier so like spartan races is um i think battle frog had the hardest ones Tough Mudder has really fun ones that are still, like, challenging. Um, Spartan has a fairly difficult one, um, although theirs is usually mainly, like, just ropes or rings. So depending on which, I don't know, like, some races it's way harder than other races. It's not really that consistent. Mm -hmm. um, And then I think with Mud Hero, they have um, their platinum rig. There's, like, an option where you can use your feet through part of it um, if you still want to do it but like you know you're not going to be able to hold yourself like if you have shoulder issues and you're not going to be able to get through the whole thing hanging by your arms mm-hmm. um, yeah and then there's like a side that's more difficult like they have different lanes that are different difficulties which I think is really cool so okay so yeah. for going into that do you do you just go train on playgrounds that happen to have monkey bars um <clears throat> Ryan and I have a set that we made in our bunky which I guess it's kind of like a shed that the previous owners of our house converted into like a guest house. It's only a 10 by 10, so like 10 by 10 feet. So it's pretty small. Mm-hmm. But when we bought the house, Ryan immediately turned it into like a mini gym. So we have monkey bars in there and there's like some hanging, um, oh my gosh, what do you call them? I don't know. just like hanging metal bars and there's a rope and. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Pretty cool. Um, Okay. I've also found indoor rock climbing extremely beneficial for like grip strength and upper body strength mm-hmm. training. Now, have you guys started adding like the, have you made a rock wall in that bunkie? There is one. Yeah. We nice. don't like rock climbing holds are surprisingly expensive. So we don't have a lot of them. So we don't use the climbing wall in there that often. Yeah. So only like five feet tall. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, my my dad and I built one out in our garage, but yeah, same deal. It's got like maybe ten holds on it. Yeah, and it goes up like eight feet. So exactly, it's great for I guess like hanging from it or just kind of practicing like moving your legs around and everything. But it's not really super ideal for 
actual no. like long workouts. Yeah, exactly. Do you kind of like try and combine it into other stuff that you do out there? Like, yeah, I don't exactly. Know, go from the monkey bars to the climbing wall and back to the monkey bars, which is pretty hard. But we never like just stay on the climbing yeah, wall. Exactly. I have like trainers set up out there, and we have all our weights and everything, so it goes in with yeah. kind of whatever whatever workout when when I happen to be here anyway, which is yeah. few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> hey, travel's a good thing too, though. Exactly. Yeah except it's hard to find like we found swimming and climbing are almost impossible when you're traveling for work a lot oh yeah I believe it how often do you just happen to like realize there's a climbing gym next to you and like then you're renting somebody's shoes and it's gross yeah yeah Yeah, I find gyms even harder because like gyms want you to always buy a month membership or something we'll try and find like hotels with you know a gym in it which um usually like they're not all that stocked up with you know kettlebells or whatever but yeah um, no it's always such yeah. like a crapshoot right you're like keeping your fingers crossed for an actual like reasonable gym and sometimes yeah. it's just like a treadmill and like a yoga mat yeah I think for you it's a lot harder because you're away for like a month at a time versus yeah or longer versus for us it's like a weekend so we'll just put our make sure we do our strength training like the day before we leave and the day we come back yeah Thanks. I was so excited. I was in Germany last month and the gym there was nuts, like full on like weight setups and like just really jacked German dudes working out. And then like me kind of like awkwardly in there on like a 1980s treadmill, like crushing it. It was great. That's awesome. Um, on the topic of treadmills, though, the, the other thing I wanted to ask about is the, the running versus the strength, because I think people tend to forget that, like, 20K is still a crapload of running in an obstacle race. Yeah, that's a good point you make. Like, a lot of people think that in order to be good at this sport, you have to just basically be strong. But um, I think that, like, the hard thing about training for this sport is that you have to find a fine balance between still being, like, able to run fast and being strong enough to get through the obstacles mm-hmm. being big and bulky won't necessarily play to your strengths that much because um obviously like the heavier you are with more muscle then the harder it's going to be for you to be able to run especially long distances so um yeah so I think run training is probably the best kind of training that you can do for this sport mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um and then what was the hardest obstacle that you've ever encountered? Have you ever found one that just like is unbeatable for you at this point? Um, see for me, when I first started, it was those platinum rigs or monkey bars, especially when it was raining. Cause mm-hmm. as soon as the obstacles kind of got a bit wet and muddy, then, um, I didn't have the grip strength to be able to hold on to them. So that took a full year of like grip strength training. Um, you know, every like two, three days to be able to build up the strength to do them. Now I don't usually have a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of grip strength, how do you train for that other than climbing? Yeah, mostly indoor rock climbing and our climbing gym also has a bit of a gym to it. So like I'll throw in between like bouldering sets, I'll throw in some leg and core strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, other good ways to train your grip strength are obviously chin-ups are like pretty key um dead hang so you just hang by your fingertips for I don't know 30 seconds or whatever you can do and do like four sets of it so give yourself a break between each set do some other exercises and then dead hang again Mm -hmm. Um, and 
farmers carry. So like Ryan and I, you don't need any fancy equipment. Um, like Ryan and I bought jerry cans from Canadian Tire or like home hardware or something. Yeah. Um, and we just filled them up with sand. So they're about 30 pounds each and we'll just carry them up and down our driveway a bunch of times. So the neighbors think you guys are like building some kind of weird sand pit in your backyard or something. Or like, yeah, our cars are always really low on gas. There's yeah. <laughs> I like it I like it um now do you ever do like kind of mix things where you do running and stop and do some kind of like obstacle specific training and then keep running I did a lot when I first um started doing this sport because it's a lot of people um or I can tell you for sure that when I first started doing the sport, I thought that the obstacles would be a nice break from the running and like, I'd be able to lower my heart rate and stuff, but oh God. <laughs> I jack heart rate up. So, yeah. um, it's kind of the opposite of what you would expect. So I, when I first started doing it, like there's a local track that has a jungle gym next to it. So I would go do like, you know, an 800 meter repeat on the track and then go like do the kids monkey bars after or like some dips or something. And then, go back and <laughs> run some more um yeah I used to do a lot of that now my body is more used to it so it kind of knows how to react when it hits an obstacle but mm-hmm. it's definitely something that you want to train yourself to do yeah because if I think about it when I run it's always at like a you know like 140 heart rate just like keep it steady and then yeah doing weight stuff it you know jacks up to 170 so it's like you've got to be ready to be able to up down up down <laughs> Yeah, even if, like, you don't have, you know, a track and a jungle gym conveniently placed next to each other, you can um, just, like, do them in, I don't know, on the local trails, like, run hard for a bit and then do a set of 10 burpees and then run hard for a little bit longer and then take two minutes easy and then kind of repeat it or, like, do jump squats onto, like, a park bench or, like, some tricep dips on the bench or something. Yeah. I'll tell you, after the last time you and I talked, I was on a run and stopped to do burpees. And I was totally thinking it was going to be like this really like badass, like I was going to just totally crush it and keep running and be fine. I almost died. Oh, <laughs> so hard. It's so hard. So hard. Yeah, I know Spartan Race has that, like if you can't do one of their obstacles, you have to do 30 burpees. And it doesn't matter if it's like a sprint race or a beast, which is about, you know, five times longer than a sprint race you always have to do 30. So if you're in a sprint race, like your competitor is right on your tail and you're trying to bust out these 30 burpees as fast as you possibly can. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, you stand up after you do them and you can barely walk straight. Cause you're like, yeah. So, <laughs> so <dizzy. laughs> yeah, it yeah. was embarrassing. I legit thought like, Oh, busting out 25 shouldn't be a problem at all. And I got through like 10 and I was like, I'm dying. I 20 is a lot. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, man, like, I strength train. How is this so hard? But they're yeah. so I mean, hard. I don't know if it's like the, how the, I don't know, you're up and down. So, like, maybe the blood kind of yeah. goes to something. But, yeah, 10's a good, nice, rounded burpee number. But as soon as you go above that, they start to get really difficult. Yeah, I was embarrassed for myself. Thank God no one's, <laughs> no one's around. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, so I feel like that's one thing that's worth practicing as a beginner. It's just like just do burpees, like they'll get you in shape. They can't no. not get you in shape. Definitely. Everybody <laughs> hates them, but they are good to do. Yes. Um now looking back on your first like few races, is there anything you would do differently or are there any like major mistakes that you 
are absolutely aware that you made? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I've, I was pretty lucky for the most part. And obviously I had Ryan to coach me through how to train for these things. So, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. But, um, one thing that I did run into was during some of the races have mandatory obstacle completion. And, uh, I think I was in first place. This has happened like a couple times, but the first time that I did this, I was in first place, hit an obstacle that I couldn't do. I think it was like a set of wet monkey bars. And I fell off them and then immediately went and like tried them again, fell off again, kept trying like over and over. And I just completely burnt out my forearms and grip strength. Um, so yeah. And then obviously my competitors passed me and stuff, but like you're in race mode, you're in a hurry. You're thinking like, Oh, they're going to catch me. But, um, it's really hard to mentally take a step back and say like, okay, I have to let my arms recover for a couple minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, because your chances of, you know, resting a bit and then going for it again and getting through it are a lot better than, like, if your arms are tired and you're just going to try again right away. So, yeah, um, yeah, give, give yourself that time to, like, kind of recover before you try again. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I learned pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, like, and I, I'm the same way. I would not have thought of that. I'd be like, okay, no, I can totally get it this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Immediately be down. Okay, so we're in sort of base season or about to begin base season right now. So what is like a typical week if you had to make up a typical week during like base season look like? And then I'm going to ask you about during race season. So, um, I would say right now more strength training and uh, definitely more sort of volume. So not as much um, like hard, fast runs, but mm-hmm. a lot more long, slow kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, right now, Ryan and I'll go to the climbing gym, like, I'll do strength probably three times a week, and it'll be, like, a full body sort of workout, Um, Mm -hmm. and then I'll always do one sort of long, slow thing during the week, whether that be, like, a cross-country ski for, you know, three, four hours, or, um, like, a two, three-plus hour run. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long time working up to those hours, so yeah. I'm not telling people like, yeah, right. Don't, don't do this. Like, <laughs> they're long for you. Like, don't go out and be like, I have to run for three hours. Like if an hour is your long run then stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then usually throughout the week, like I'll probably do two interval sessions, um, whether that be like hill repeats or, you know, one K or one mile repeats where I'm driving my heart rate up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the rest is sort of just like cross training, like cross country skiing or biking um, or like fun, easy runs and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Makes sense. And then what about during like an in season where you're racing a fair bit? What do the weeks look like? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> Depends <laughs> on if there's weekends the- off, et cetera. Right. Uh, less long slow stuff um I'll probably do like one long run every two weeks instead of every week um and then a lot more high intensity stuff where I'm driving my heart rate up a lot more I'll start doing like working my different systems so instead of just doing threshold workouts where my heart rate's around um like you know 80 percent of max heart rate like long hill repeats or something I'll be doing stuff like Tabata runs where it's like 
short 30 second all out speed running bursts where I'm like sprinting yeah and that like you know 20 tons in a row or something so they're like short workouts but they're really hard and yeah so basically for like speed running workouts I'll probably do like four a week instead of two okay yeah that seems a little more reasonable uh and what about post-race recovery how do you handle that because I mean I imagine you're trying to get a lot of a lot of stuff flush to be back for you know next weekend or the week after yeah uh I mean usually after a race I would tell people like you know go eat something healthy and then you can like pick out later at night on you know the ice cream that you've earned yourself (laughs) um and like go sit down sort of put your feet up um for like at least a couple hours after the race Ryan and I's favorite part of the races is to like talk to other competitors and the kids and stuff after. So we usually end up hanging around. Like even though our race will be over at nine, we'll hang out at the venue till like three. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pretty bad at like recovering. After <laughs> we do that like later at later at night. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I get that. <laughs> yeah, and then I used to um, take a rest day after every race day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess this past year I was training for a world's toughest mudder, which is a 24 hour race. So you want to get used to like exercising on tired legs. So I would train through it and I would like always train the day after the race too. Okay. Now I feel like, I feel like OCR is still sort of like an unknown for coaches. So, I mean, how do you guys handle that? Do you have a coach that gives you advice or are you guys just kind of running on experience and sort of seeing what works and what doesn't? Um, yeah, I mean, there are a few coaches out there, like Yancey Culp is one of them. He's really good. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely like online training programs like Ryan, uh, and helps to run with John Alban, who's the OCR male world champion. Um, they run like obstacle course dot training, which is, um, there's no dot com after, which is really strange, but it's out of (laughs) Australia. So it's like a really weird URL. So if you type in www.obstaclecourse.training. Okay. Up. um yeah and then face denning who's like one of the best female races racers also just started uh a training program i think it's online as well with like a friend of hers who's an olympian uh track runner okay so yeah so there's a few out there um ryan and i don't really have a coach i think because we've been you know like ryan comes from a competitive biking background and stuff mm-hmm. so we've been you know training for so long that we kind of know uh how to set ourselves a program Mm -hmm. but yeah for those who don't know those are like some good outlets yeah no that's perfect we'll make sure we link to those because yeah I think that's just one of those things is a lot of people get you know think it's a cool idea to start it or you know want to try one but just have no idea like how to handle any of the training oh yeah exactly and it's it's super intimidating like it is yeah yeah, we know a lot of people who, uh, like, will tell them, like, running is the best training, and then they'll just go out and run hard every day for, like, 30 minutes at max effort, and then, mm-hmm. and then they'll sort of start to get injuries or get really tired, and we're yep. like, no, <laughs> like, no. those long sleeves are just as important as the hard ones. Yep. Yeah, and if you do more of than, like, four hard runs per week, you're really going to burn your body out. It's hard for your body. Like, it's pretty taxing on your body to do that stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of taxing on your body, 
How do you guys handle, first of all, in-race nutrition, but then also like outside of the race? You mentioned eating well after the race. But yeah, what does that look like for you guys? Because I have to imagine the level of intensity and the volume that you guys put in and the strength training, nutrition has to be so dialed to make that all work right. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I have a habit before races, like this started way back in high school where I eat beets because they're a vasodilator. So it actually allows your blood to like hold more oxygen, Mm -hmm. which, you know, then it can get to your muscles, which helps when you're racing. Um, So yeah, I used to like cook beets like a maniac. Now I've discovered beet elite, which is awesome. And you can just like put it, you mix it into water and it's processed in such a way that like it doesn't um, take any of the nutrients out of the beets and stuff. So it's like pretty pure form of it. I mean, it doesn't taste that great, but like for me, it's a lot more awesome than having to cook beets and eat them like every night and morning. Totally. (laughs) So so much easier. Um, Yeah. I will also add the caveat though. I I I know a pro who will remain nameless that did gave himself the worst blood sugar spike I have ever seen someone do by chugging a thing of beet juice after a ride, like as his recovery meal. Oh, gross. Like on the floor, he was, uh, it was, this was a few years ago, right when beets were like very in, but (laughs) we learned from that. We, we make sure there's something under the beets. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, during a race, I'll take, I'll always bring like a few gels, which I'll take throughout the race. Mm-hmm. just kind of keep my body going and then after the race I usually eat something like healthy like I don't know a smoothie or something mm-hmm. or like yeah I don't know <laughs> something healthy and then later that night I'm like okay dessert time everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> reward yourself yeah um, yeah and then the rest of the time Ryan and I's diet is pretty normal like I know a lot of people restrict themselves from, you know, eating gluten and stuff because they feel like they have an intolerance or they find it really helps them or makes it difficult for them to adjust to time changes or like different reasons. But Ryan and I have experimented, you know, eating stuff and not eating stuff. And if I don't find that it makes a difference, I'm not going to cut it out of my diet. Mm-hmm. I feel then like people just develop intolerances if you just stop eating something for a few years absolutely and like yeah your body will will be like what is this <laughs> so yeah we eat pretty normally like we you know eat gluten and dairy mm-hmm. all that fun stuff but definitely a lot of like home cooked stuff and fruits and vegetables yeah makes sense and I think eating enough is probably another uh thing when you're doing strength training and hard runs and long runs and all that kind of stuff yeah. Yeah, we don't really, yeah, like, we eat when we're hungry and stuff. It's not like we, like, count our calories or anything, which is, um, can get people into, like, bad spiral. Yes, absolutely. Just their body and do what feels right. I love it. Um, all right, this is going to be a very open-ended thing, but best part of OCR racing, what makes it all worth it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Just, just you know, really simple question. <laughs> Um, I don't know like people always say like oh you're so inspiring but I actually find a lot of the other people in the sport inspiring there's so many people who do this sport who um you know are cancer survivors or have like come off um a car accident where they almost died and were told they'd never be able to walk again or something like that like there's so many racers out there who just um go put themselves through these races because they can 
which mm-hmm. is really cool. I found that really neat with like the world's toughest mudder 24 hour race. Like there are so many people who would go out for 24 hours to run just because they could run. And, um, like I couldn't even last all 24 hours. I quit after 18, um, <laughs> which I'm pretty mad at myself for, but like some people don't do half the training that I do and they will stay out there the whole time. And they're just like, you know, thrilled about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I find that's like the best part of the racing to me. Totally. Will you go back for the 24 hours next year to try to hit all 24 of them? Yes, definitely. I'm going to take another shot at it. Awesome. Yeah. What is your, what is your 2017 season look like? Uh, a bit different. This past season and the one before actually were focused on a bit shorter races, usually around like hour and a half, two hour races. Um, this season I'm kind of transitioning into like longer stuff. So I'll do the world's toughest mutter again, which is the 24 hour one. Tough mutters come out with, um, <clears throat> these eight hour races. I think it's a series of six different races and each race is eight hours long and it starts at midnight and it goes till 8am. Yeah. So, yeah. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. So Ryan and I are going to try and do all of those races. Um, I also want to try a bit more stuff that's like outside my comfort zone. That isn't just obstacle racing. Like I might do some more bike racing and, um, some more last year I did like the North face 50 mile race. I want to try and do this year and like beat my time. So yeah. Nice. You should do, (laughs) you should definitely do the Xterra triathlon at Kelso. So mountain bike trail run, do that in June. It's going to be awesome. I really think at swimming and (laughs) I'm not motivated to, to get better because I don't like swimming very much to be honest. Well, they have a duathlon option, so you could always do run, bike, run. That's fun. I feel like I would do the try and just sort of put myself through the swimming because, again, it's like putting myself outside my comfort zone yeah. and, like, trying something that I've never done before. Yeah, and if you're doing one, that's a sweet one because the water is super clear and super nice. Is it nice? Okay. Amazing. So- it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there. Peter's going to be doing that one as, like, his first swimming race, so... <laughs> Well, I can contact you for training tips about that one. <laughs> we can we can trade training tips. It'll be great. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Because I need some. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where can people find you on the internet? Mention your Facebook page again, and is there anywhere else? Yeah, my Facebook athlete page is, I guess, facebook.com slash Lindsay Webster OCR. Um, Lindsay is spelled with an A-Y. Perfect. And then Instagram, my Facebook page is a lot about training and stuff. My Instagram is um, lots of like pretty pictures and it's more just an illustration of like me and my daily life. So it kind of depends what you want to follow. My Instagram is Lindsay Dawn Webster, um, D-A-W-N for Dawn. And then Twitter is Lindsay D. Webster. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, it was great catching up with you. Thank you again for taking the time to chat. And now I think we're going to have to sign up for one of these OCR races. Hopefully. Let me know which one you guys are at and I'll be there. Absolutely. And we'll be, we'll be up in Ontario this summer. So we should, we should plan a girl, girl, boy train training camp weekend or something. That'd be so fun. Yes. And thanks again for having me and have so much fun on your Next. <laughs> Next. You said Belgium, right? Yeah. Belgium, Netherlands, Spain, Italy, and then to California till May. The usual. <laughs> Thing. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, a lot of time to be away from home, but also yes. pretty <laughs> Yeah, can't complain too much. Yeah, enjoy the experience. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of winter in Canada, and we'll chat soon. Yes, we'll do. All right. Bye, Lindsay. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, to check out all of the show notes for this episode, you can head over to consummateathlete.com. And we would love to hear from you about what you thought about the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Molly J. Herford. And at Peter Glassford. And we would also love it if you would pop over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast so you can tell every time a new episode, a new sport comes out. And if you would leave us a review, let us know how you're, how you're liking it, how we're doing, if there's anything you'd like to hear more of, that would be amazing. And you can find us over on Facebook now, uh, facebook.com backslash consummate athlete. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next time.